This episode is brought to you by AARP. 18 years from tonight, Grant Gill will become a comedy legend when he totally kills it at his improv class's graduation performance. Knees will be slapped. Hilarity will ensue. That's why he's already keeping himself in shape and razor sharp today with wellness tips and tools from AARP to help make sure his health lives as long as he does. Because the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org slash healthy living. On this episode of Take Line, fallout from game one in which the Atlanta Hawks beat the New York Knicks in what was an exciting game until the last moments. Spike Lee, don't dap Trey Young up anymore. Plus, more NBA playoff reactions. And SNY insider Ian Begley joins us. Plus, take Survivor with Dr. Abdul El Saeed. I'm hurting right now. Take line right now. I'm Jason Concepcion. I'm Renee Montgomery. Let's go! Okay. We must... We must, unfortunately... <laughs> we must, unfortunately, begin here with Knicks-Hawks Game 1, the 4-5 <laughs> matchup, Madison Square Garden, a nearly capacity crowd of 15,000, the largest public gathering in New York State since the pandemic began. It was loud, it was raucous, and then all of a sudden it was really... A lot quieter at the very, very <laughs> end as Trey Young uh, put the Hawks ahead. 107, 105 is the final. To the to the victor go the spoils. So Renee, Let's go. go! I love so <laughs> Listen, okay, let me first start off by saying, yes, I know it was just one game. Okay, uh. I've been an athlete my whole <laughs> life. Of course I know it was just one game. However, I believe that this was a big win, not just because it was just one game, but we got a young team that needs confidence. We got a young team. It's a lot of their first times in the playoffs. So you go to Madison Square Garden, you got Spike Lee on the hardwood doing the the A-Town stomp on the hardwood, (laughs) and you got 15,000 fans when I just need to remind people we weren't even in the bubble. I just have to remind people that in case they forgot that whole atmosphere of the bubble, we weren't there. So, yes, we're excited that we're in the playoffs. We're playing great in the playoffs. And we stole a game on the road. So I just had to start with that. Let's go! But I know it's not over yet. I just am excited. That's a good, huge win. Listen, that's fine. fine. (laughs) Listen, as I said, I've said many a time. We're playing with house money right now. Does it hurt? Yes. Is there pain? Yes. Did I die three times over the course of the last two minutes of that game and only to be resurrected, only to finally die again when Trey uh, hit that floater? One of many fucking floaters? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. But Jason, but okay, listen. can I just ask you something though, off top, Jason? I just yes, you know, absolutely. I'm just yeah, again, to the victor of the spoils, <laughs> you can ask anything you want. Was like as a fan, did you guys feel like you guys came together? I mean, all those chants. I even went on Twitter, and there was like Trey Young slander. They they wanted to talk about his hair, I guess, because his float game was so strong. They're like, let me attack his hair. 
What? Is this the New York way? Like, did you feel very united with New York because of this? Because it felt like y'all band together. This is this is what it is. This it's the playoffs. <laughs> this is banter. This is why it's fun. Right. You know, like, listen, uh, Kendrick Perkins was on ESPN today saying the, uh, the Knicks fans should be more humble. And come on, where everybody's excited. It yeah. was so fun to have a near like a, a crowd, a real crowd exactly. in an arena. Forget where it was. It could have been anywhere. That was just like really fun and great to see. To the slander and the F Trey Young chants that began <laughs> at the top of the game. Uh, you know, I saw people saying, oh, that fired him up. Don't poke the bird. Listen, Trey Young doesn't need that. <laughs> Trey Young is a great player. It feels so good to hate someone again. I hate Trey Young, but he doesn't need <laughs> that inspiration. He didn't need it. He's not inspired. He, he's not going to go out there and kill us because he heard some chance or because whatever, whatever. It's playoff time. It's game one of the playoffs in MSG. He said it was Times Square. It's many, many blocks from Times Square. He doesn't even know where it is. It's fine. All he knows that is that he was in excited. the building. All he knows was he was in the building. And in the post-game interview, as you guys know, I cover the Hawks. In the post-game interview, he said on multiple occasions, I don't forget nothing. So do that, like, don't poke the bear thing. Yes, he was going to be turned up. But yes. it's like you don't give players, for example, Donna Taurasi is a bear. And so when I had to guard her, you know, in Minnesota, Coach Reeve loved to say, Renee, she's yours. Handle it. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. okay. Like, hi, I got it, hi, Coach. Like, hi, Deanna. Hi, Deanna. How are you today? Uh, how was your life? You get <laughs> exactly a lot of sleep like, last night. <laughs> Yo, what up, baby? Bleed blue. Don't we? You know, Husky love. You know, like, I ain't poking that bear. Now, will Diana come and give me 25 regardless? Yes. But there is something to poking a bear. So for you got to think about the psyche of a man that just hit the game winner with 0.9 seconds. He goes directly to, and quote, as I hit the floater, I just felt like everybody got quiet. He said, I was waiting on the F U chance again. I was excited. That was at the top of his brain, Jason. The no, top of it. The F U chance will be back on Wednesday. <laughs> Trey Young is a professional basketball player. He's been hearing, in his own words, by his own words in various interviews, he's been hearing hate since he was a kid, since he was in AAU, smallest player on the court, Yep, talking about how he shouldn't be out there. He's heard that his whole career. This is not extra for him. He loves this. I there There's a, there's an argument maybe that, that it's too comfortable for him doing that, but like this is what... <laughs> This is what a full arena should sound like. This is what uh, a this full This is the arena stuff that drinks are made of. Like. Yes, and this is, don't we love it? Aren't we talking about it right now? Didn't they need a sports it. center right now? Listen, this is what we love. I want you guys love. to know, we love this, okay? Yeah, they love it. Like, even, and let me just say, I'm happy we won. Like, but I feel like it's so oh, evenly wow. matched. Oh, wow, spoiler alert. <laughs> Don't spoil it. Renee, are you happy they won? Yeah, just to throw it out there, I'm really happy and excited <laughs> that we won. However, I am very aware that next game I could be sitting in the exact same position, That's Jason, because we won on a buzzer beater. Like, we won on That's a floater. It it's not like we handled the New York Knicks. Right. So I just want to say that even though we won, I know that there might be times we don't win. I'm still going to love it. Like, this is what we were yearning for as fans. Real playoff atmosphere with yes. fans mad, fans going crazy. This is I'm exactly yelling at Jason it. on the that's internet. That's what like, we this, wanted. 
this is what we really wanted. So at the end of the day, like, of course I'm hyped that the Hawks won, but I'm really hyped at what's happening. Like, this is like sports are really back. Like, they're back now. They're really back. Let me just say this. I, I'm not mad at the fans. I love what the fans did. I have some criticisms for Spike. Number one, Nick fan Spike. Spike, don't don't dap up the opposition. Don't do it. Dap don't me dap up, bro! Up. Don't, don't dap up Trey. Don't let him touch that, like, pioneering filmmaking. Don't do it. He's the enemy when he's in there, Spike. Look what, what he up, did Spike? to us. We love you, baby. We love you here in the A. <laughs> the Midas touch. Grant you the Midas touch, baby. Don't let him do it. Man, I, I I will say that it um, oh. it, just like we said last week, you know, like yes, the Knicks won three in the regular season against the Hawks, but different team, different coach for a bunch of those games. Trey was injured for the last game. It, they have the exact same record coming into the playoffs. Crazy. It's going to be close. It's going to be nip and tuck, uh, and you know, it's going to be very very close. So to that point, like, what adjustments do you guys need to make, though? Like, you know, every team, game one to game two, like, we the Hawks have to make adjustments as well. Everybody yeah. has to make adjustments. What's y'all's for the Knicks? I'll, I'll, I'll Listen, I, I was looking up <laughs> Alfred Payton, Knicks starter, Alfred Payton's uh, plus minus for the last couple of weeks. My guy fell off the bottom of, I'm not even kidding, I tweeted it. He fell off the bottom of the screen, his plus minus. This has been oh so God, tough. Jason. He fell off the bottom of the grab and he came back up a little bit, like a little point, and then he fell back down. He looked like crypto over the last couple of weeks. <laughs> oh he is the only uh, starter who did not score. Yeah. Everybody else scored. And I just think we got to go a different way. It's time for Derek. Like, it's going to be too close. We can't. He only played eight minutes, but we can't give up those eight. It's time for Derek Rose to start. And we'll figure out with quickly and maybe with Frank Nelikino, figure out the rest of the minutes, but it's going to be too close to give away those minutes. The other thing is Julius Randle will, will, will bounce back somehow. Oh, I, yeah. I thought he was, I thought he forced a little bit early and should have looked to, to maybe play make. Um, but he's, he's going to figure out a way to get off that. I, I'm not concerned yeah. about that. You know, are we going to get another Alec Burks 27 point game again? I, I Eighteen uh, in the fourth quarter. Was, what that, is that? That was nuts. But I think Julius Randle will figure out a way. And listen, Trey, we're just gonna have to throw a bunch of different looks at him. He's too good to just show him one thing. And, and it, that pick just, and roll. It, it's de it's deadly. It's deadly. His handle is too good, and he can shoot it from too far out. It's just and, and speaking of like spectacular. Trey Young in his debut, he finished with 32 points, 10 assists, 7 rebounds. That was his playoff debut. LeBron James is the only other player with 30 points, 10 assists, and 5 rebounds in their postseason debut. So just to put it in perspective, because sometimes people need to, to see those kind of numbers side by side, Trey Young's debut night was like literally the stuff people dream of. Yeah. And, and one more thing, you know, the Hawks are just a dangerous offensive team they were number nine offense uh during the season they have a just a bunch of the gang of people that can shoot 40 percent from three bogdanovich was absolutely nails this game he as i said last week he's a guy that i'm legitimately scared of um <laughs> the knicks did it primarily with offense they were very scrappy they it's a bunch of times they could have gone away in that game but they hit big shots Definitely. i'd love to see them find that defensive identity again 
Um, listen, you can't again, Trey. Tom Thibodeau some, team. I mean, that's that's yeah. literally what Tom Thibodeau is is known for. So I don't see the defense. So can we reconnect with that? Of course, yep. Trey is just going to be tough. But can we reconnect with that with that defensive mentality? Um, because I, you know, I think it was a little bit of gravy with the offense. We we got again Alec Burks with twenty seven points plus eight over the course of the game. He was hitting like pump and goes like on it the was baseline, like. <laughs> I just like and and that's another thing so talking about adjustments you know I think for as much as everyone was saying the New York Knicks missed a lot of shots Bogey missed Danilo Gallinari missed a lot of shots Bogey hit the biggest shot of the game when he hit that three-pointer with just under a minute left to tie it up at 103 that swung it that was a game swinging type of shot that was a huge play but before that it wasn't like Bogey and, and and Gallo were just on fire we actually mm-hmm. didn't hit a lot like a lot of those shots were the second half is what i'll say so i'm just excited look that was game one i'm excited because one. we got probably six more of those i just yeah it looks like a pick series as many have said it looks again exact same record coming in it's gonna be a long series adam my heart can't take this much more let's go so as we know, we can talk about it all day because the Knicks and Hawks series might be the one that you and I are watching the closest, Jason. Mm-hmm. But there were definitely some other great games all weekend. You know, the first round of the playoffs did not disappoint. So let's start with the Bucks and the Heat. Another finals, last second shot from Chris Middleton, a little dribble to the right, step back, cash money to lead Milwaukee over Miami. What are your thoughts? What are we thinking? Uh, I think that it was a real battle. And it seemed like one of those games where, uh-oh, the Bucks are a little scared again or just a little shaky coming out of the gate. But I'm really impressed with the Bucks this win. Number one, Middleton really? being the guy who gets the, the shot at the end. And the second thing is they shot five for 31 from three, and they won that game. <laughs> Do you know how many times they've won a game where they've shot that percentage? How much? None, because it never happened. This is the worst three-point shooting game that they've shot all season and they won that's huge to me that shows that this team is a a kind of like has a different kind of spine than they have had in previous incarnations I really love that they won that game Uh, I'm not saying that it the heat are gonna just go away that is absolutely not the case with an Eric Spolstra coach team and a Pat Riley run franchise and with Jimmy Butler on that squad and Goran Dragic and the guys they have. But that was a huge marker for me, for them winning that game. What did you think? Okay, so you don't care that they're like the higher seed, one by two Mm-mm. points? I, I don't because, again, that five for 31 and then to come back and win it. Okay, but that five for 31, I will raise you a Butler finishing with 17 points four for 22 shooting from the field. I don't know. To me, that is very rare as well because we know Jimmy Buckets is called Jimmy Buckets for a reason. So to me, those two things could pretty much, let's say, offset each other. And shouts to Giannis, who was the primary defender on Butler for 32 possessions as opposed to 10 possessions in their entire series last year. But to me, I guess when you get to the playoffs, you know, it was different. I had a different mindset. Like when we were the number one team in Minnesota – our first mm. couple of rounds, we mm. wanted people to know we are the number one seed. We wanted our play to show it. We wanted the score to reflect it. We wanted to show that, look, there's a difference here because it sets the tone. Like, to me, 
look, and I get it. It's so evenly matched in the NBA, but a 109-107 win, Milwaukee over Miami, I mean, that's... But let me ask you this, okay? So the Heat are not your typical lower seed, right? That This is like, this is a, a somewhat of a rivalry. This is a team that the Bucks have history with. This will be like, you know, if the Sparks fell because of injuries or whatever, yeah. fell to a lower seed, and then you play them... Yes, you're the number one, but you're also looking at them as a different type of team. And I feel like the all the underlying stats, if you didn't show somebody the score and said the Bucks played the Heat game one, yeah. they shot five for 31, uh, what do you think happened? I think you'd think the Heat won that game. But you would have to mention that Jimmy Butler went four for 22. That's if you true. told them, if you told people those two stat lines, I think that people would not know what happened because everyone knows that this Miami team goes where Jimmy Butler goes. So if Jimmy Butler, while he had 17 points, four for 22 is a tough night. Like, it's a period. Tough. That said, people have been asking season after season, when are they going to unleash Giannis as a defender? And yeah. with all that length and all that yep. athleticism, and they, when are they going to put him on – the other team's primary score. They did it. They did it. And and shouts to Giannis because the superstars, you know, like a lot of times there's that idea to rest the superstars. You don't want them to guard the other superstar because you need them on offense. So shouts to Giannis for taking that step and, and being like, yo, I have to lock him down. You gave an example about the Sparks. Well, honestly, the Lakers are kind of that example in a sense yeah. of they've been hurt all year. Everybody thought... Bow, they're just going to turn it on for the playoffs. Mm -hmm. It's going to be amazing because guess what? They're uh -oh. the Lakers. <laughs> but you're saying that that's what should happen with Miami, and it just doesn't happen that way. Your season record is for a reason. That's how the team has been performing. And so let's move on to the Lakers and Phoenix, where Phoenix beat them 99 to 90. But the real problem is the Lakers played pretty much the same way they played. But you're playing a good team now, and it just there's no on and off switch. I know that yeah. some players have on and off switches. I firmly believe mm -hmm. it. I've seen players just flip the switch, and I'm like, whoa. But teams, that's different. I, I agree with you. I think part of the problem is with that on and off switch um, mentality, that idea is you can have an on and off switch if you've, if you've got a group that has played together a lot. Yep. This Lakers team is not a group that has played together a lot, or even you could argue a little. They've got a lot of new faces. James has been out. He had the longest injury stretch of his entire career. Davis was in and out of the lineup. Uh, they bring in Andre Drummond as a new face. Um, and it's the, the results are not confidence-inspiring. First of all, big ups to Phoenix, who won and have yeah. been one of the great stories of the season. Chris Paul cementing his place as, you know, top four, top three point guard all time. Uh, he took a knock, had a shoulder injury, left the game, came back, played, didn't look himself, was really favoring that left hand a lot, but still. Devin Booker, 34 points, picked up the pace. Chris Paul still had eight assists, still played good defense. Um, and I got to say, was it just me or did DeAndre Ayton look like he played really solid defense against yeah, Anthony Davis? No, now, listen, 100. It, I'm not saying Anthony Davis, Anthony Davis has the talent to overcome any kind of defense, but DeAndre Ayton was 
up in his jersey, bothering him with length for a lot of that game. And Davis came away with 13 points, 5 of 16 from the field, did have three blocks, was at minus 18 in the game. Man, that was that was really concerning if you're a Laker fan. But, I mean, Jason, to that point, Davis even said to himself, like, we're not going to win a lot of games with me playing like that. You know, like, so he acknowledged that he definitely didn't play his best. But to your point, DeAndre Ayton, you have to give people credit. Sometimes I'm sure there were a lot of shots in there that Anthony Davis yeah. on any other circumstance would make it. So he probably missed a lot of his makeable shots. But you also have to give credit where credit is due. DeAndre yeah. Ayton just didn't make it he easy on him. He played well. He played really well. hard. He didn't make it easy on him. And to that point, you know, you talked about the plus minuses. LeBron was the only one with a positive plus minus. I'm not really into those. Like those numbers can be skewed if you're on the court with they can be depending skewed. on him. Yeah, for yes, sure. but that is telling that when LeBron is on the court, they're a plus two team. When Anthony Davis is on the court, they're a minus eighteen. But Cal Kuzma, zero points in nineteen minutes. Yeah, I mean that's that that's happen. a pretty that's a pretty loud stat. Everyone's talking about Andre Drummond and can he happen. be a part of it. But if you have somebody playing nineteen minutes and they give you a goose egg that's tough. That's tough to overcome. That's a lot of minutes. <laughs> that absolutely can't happen. <laughs> you over here trying to bench pain after eight minutes of no production. <laughs> Come on, Kuzma. Okay, wait, let's talk about, this has been a big point of conversation amongst Laker fans, amongst yep. the media. Andre Drummond, Lakers brought him in at the trade deadline. Uh, they are starting him alongside Davis, a two big lineup. And I got to, it just is for whatever kind of benefits that you're thinking you're getting rim protection, shot blocking, another big overwhelm a team with size, you get that extra rebounding. It just, it does not look to be working. I would argue that Drummond is doing a better job of guarding the Lakers than he is guarding Phoenix oh because. Gosh. The spacing is all clogged up. They don't have the same kind of driving lanes. You push Davis farther out on the court. Now, he can do that, right? He can do that. But that's not exactly where you would want to play him. You want that whole right. side of the court open for him to roam. And, man, it just does not look like it's working. One, Renee, what do you think? And, two, if from a player perspective, right, something's not working, it's playoff time. How do you how do you approach that yeah. player and say, okay, we got to try something different? Especially a, a player of Drummond's cachet, who has been a named player in the league. There's two parts to it. It's tough because the NBA has just a new mold, and we all know what that mold is. It's like three point is king. And so everything that teams are trying to do is how can we spread the floor? How can we get spacing? How can we drive, get a layup or drive, get a dunk or drive and get a kick to a three? Like that's yeah. literally the analytics yep. of the NBA. So when you're a player that just doesn't fit into that mold, like Andre Drummond, he's my guy. Shouts to bleed blue UConn Husky. Yeah. It's so tough for the traditional big right now because there's just not a place for them. There's the new style where you see, a Joker, and you see a Joel Embiid, what do they have in common? They're big men that have skill sets of a guard. That's the new wave. That's what you have to do. A Rudy yeah. Gobert, a Andre Drummond, those bigs, it's just not the way of the NBA right now, the analytics and how it's fallen. And so how do you talk to a player like that? Look, you got to bring them to the side and be like, hey, listen, we're trying to do something big. We're trying to win a championship, and the numbers just aren't adding up. Look at the numbers when you're in the lineup. Look at our numbers when we have this lineup. Look at the analytics when you're on the court. 
you know, mm. you have to take one for the team in a sense of your minutes might be limited, but you might get a championship out of it. Like, that's how you have to talk to players. I mean, yeah. we under he knows now, you know, he got sat in Cleveland for X amount of time until they could move him somewhere yeah. else. And I think that's a problem. It shouldn't happen that way. But it's because people don't necessarily know what to do with the traditional big anymore. And you just got to be real with them. Like, bro, we trying to win a championship and teams are guarding us a certain way when you're on the court. So when you're out there, you know, we can still start them. And we might pull them five minutes into it, but it's when you're out there, make the most of it. Do your thing. Don't change your game. But just as far as minutes-wise, they might be less moving forward. Man, my, all I can think is Marcus Gasol must have, like, hit Frank Vogel's car or something. Or, like, I don't oh know what gosh. he did. I don't know what he did, but he can't, he can't find the court with Google Maps. On May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. What a day! This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. I stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10th. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. This episode is brought to you by AARP. 18 years from tonight, Grant Gill will become a comedy legend when he totally kills it at his improv class's graduation performance. Knees will be slapped. Hilarity will ensue. That's why he's already keeping himself in shape and razor sharp today with wellness tips and tools from AARP to help make sure his health lives as long as he does. Because the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org healthy living. So there's a little bit of controversy with oh, this, this Utah-Memphis game. Utah, as we know, lost by three to Memphis, 112 to 109. But Donovan Mitchell, he's <coughs> like, Front. this is... Uh, okay, so... No, I'm not, it's okay. Listen, but let me start it. Let me set it up. <laughs> I like where this is going. Before the game, he said, look, I feel good. There's always going to be some soreness, but I'm ready to go tonight. No pain. I'm excited to get going. And then after the game... Spider Mitchell at Spider Mitchell says, sorry, y'all. I wish I could say more. I'll be out there soon. We know now since there's some things happening, you know, break it. Look, Jason, you have some <laughs> theories. So I would love to hear what happened with this Utah Memphis situation and what happened with Donovan Mitchell. I'm going to lay out a conspiracy theory that is not even really that far fetched. And you tell me what you think. OK, OK. Utah's the number one seed. Uh, defensive powerhouse, hit a bunch of threes. They got a lot of players hitting on all cylinders right now. They got a bench headlined by Jordan Clarkson, Joe Ingles. Uh, you know, they got the best rim protector in the league. I think they looked across the uh, the bracket. They saw the Grizzlies limp into the playoffs, uh, have, to, have to fight uh, through the plane to get there. And I think they thought, okay, Mitchell is coming off the ankle sprain. Maybe we can steal another day, day and a half of rest here. We're going to roll over this eighth seed that that is probably a little winded after coming through the play-in to get here. Uh, and we're at home. Uh, 
We're at altitude at home. Uh, uh-huh. And so let's get a little cute. I think we win this game without Donovan Mitchell. And I think that bit them. That's personally what I think. Ah, uh, So you think the team made a business decision that I think we can beat Memphis without Donovan. So let's get him one more game of rest. He'll be back out That's there. Just give him th- a little bit more rest. Okay. And I think they sold it to Donovan because, listen, if if Donovan Mitchell wanted to play and was like, I'm playing, I don't know that I buy that the Utah Jazz hold firm and go, absolutely not. If we take this, the, the pregame quote, to be uh, factual, I feel good, always going to be soreness, I'm ready to go tonight. I think if Mitchell pushed the issue, they let him play. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's how I feel. So, so you're saying that you think he just found out. He just found out and was like, basically, they were like, I think they sold it to him. I, and I think he agreed with it. I think if they I think if they came to him and said, listen, we, we can beat these guys. I think we got them like we're at home. Yeah. Rudy, everybody's ready to go. Why don't you just sit this one? We're, we're going to win this series. We're going to win this game. Sit this one out. It, it'll be fine. And I think it just bit him. And I because I honestly feel like if Donovan Mitchell was like, no, I'm going then he would have went. And guess what happened? It, it turns out the Grizzlies aren't Grizzlies. They're freaking dogs. Because- <laughs> Shout to the Memphis Grizzlies, man. Because, you oh know, that's another God. thing. I have to make sure because a lot of times in TV and we are basically TV, it'll yes. be like if there's the number one seed, no matter what the lower seed does, you always talk about the number one seed. So let me switch gears a little bit. Come on, Brooks. 31 points, 13 for 26 from the floor. But what I love is he's in his post game. He said, they just had some guys out there that couldn't guard me. Like, woo! I get tired watching him. He <laughs> makes me tired because, man, he's the type of player that I, if I was like in an alley with him, I'd be like, man, I'm about to get uh, mugged and and scored on. He is just <laughs> nonstop. Stop it on both sides. He is in people's jersey on the defensive side. And then on offense, this guy just does not stop working you. Working you, working you, working you. Brooks and John Morant. I'm telling you, that that the way they play with this chip on their shoulder, this underdog and mentality embraced. And look, the thing about it is these players watch the news. I said it earlier with Trey Young and all of them. If you wonder why these guys be gassed up in the game and like you see them turned up, they watch first take. They watch all of these different shows that may have opinions about the game. So if you see the players, like you could clearly tell, and this is a fact, literally all of the ESPN analysts, other than one, shouts to Mona McNutt, everyone said that they were going to lose in every single round. And so <laughs> if you wonder why they're running around crazy, why they're turned up, why they're going off, Players, like, that's chalkboard stuff. Like, players yeah, take that to stuff. heart. And that's so, for stuff. me, when you see him say, yeah, there's some guys out there just couldn't guard me, that's him letting people know, next time y'all talk about our game and talk about this awesome defense, you better let them know that there's guys let that me, can't guard us. <laughs> they cannot, they could not guard. And that's the other thing. Listen, yes, Donovan Mitchell was not in the game. Right. You are... <laughs> You're a top defense in this league for years. Rudy Gobert is a top, is a number one defense in a box. He is a number one rim Supposed protector. Supposed to be the defensive player of the year. Come on. Clint Capella didn't even make the finalist. You have people who really know basketball, whose, whose uh, opinions I absolutely respect, who can make dark horse MVP candidates for Rudy Gobert because 
Oh my! That's how much he embodies their defensive ethos and their ability. Why couldn't they stop anybody? Why couldn't they stop Dylan Brooks? Why couldn't they do that? that Need to be answered. Clint Capella was not a finalist, and I only say that because he's number one in rebounds at the end of the season. You know, because halfway through the season, people are like, "Oh yeah, you're you're a low ranked team." We ended up the number five team. He's a number one in rebounding, number three in block shots. Man. I'm not saying he, he should have necessarily won, but how is that not he a killed, finalist? I mean, he 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 gave he gave the Knicks a lot of problems. I'll just say that. That's he, what he does he on gave, a normal he gave basis. The Knicks a lot, and so I'm just saying, you know how when people tell you to put up or shut up? Okay, Utah, you're the number like you're the top team for a reason. Renee, I wanted to ask you about this. So uh, Brian Windhorst wrote a piece today, and in it he writes, quote, Utah Jazz star Donovan Mitchell was incensed at the late decision to scratch him from Sunday's playoff opener and it deepened tensions with the team regarding his recovery from right ankle sprain, sources told ESPN. That source is probably named Donovan Itchel. Um, <laughs> we expect Donovan to play in game two now, right? Uh, Yeah. Yeah, I would expect that Donovan's going to play in game two. Also, so to your point, I do think that it was probably told this way. First of all, players want to play. So Donovan Mitchell, I yeah. believe he missed 16 regular season games yep. before missing that one. So knowing how long he's been out, I can pretty much assume that he was really hyped to play. First of all, there's advertisements all over TV. He wants to be yeah. a part of the action. It's the playoffs. It's the whole thing you've been playing for all season long. But to your point, I do think probably the medical staff was like, yo, if we could get you to look, imagine this. You don't play in this game. There's three games until the next game after that. So we would be able to get you five more days of rest. You know, I could just see how the conversation went. So Donovan Mitchell probably was like, I want to play, but all right, whatever, man. Like, I get you. And then when, when they lost. When they drop Now one, you're mad. Now you're mad. Now he's big <laughs> mad, and I get it, because he's like, so I was ready to go. Let me get this straight. I was ready to go. I literally yep. said, I feel good. Of course, it's going to be a little sore, but I'm ready to roll tonight. I'm excited to get going. You guys tell me to sit out, and now we're 0-1. Why is that a big deal? Because players understand games matter, and everybody can be like, oh, yep. it's just one game. But if anybody that's listening has ever been in a series, which I've been in a series before, a five-game series with L.A. Sparks, getting those three wins are like the hardest thing ever. So when you say it's just one game, I remember every single game. It's like those 40 minutes are the longest minutes ever, and it's like you break it down by four-minute periods, and you just break the game down so much that you would never just say it's just one game. Donovan Mitchell gets that. You can't give it away like that. Okay, let's go to uh, number four, Los Angeles Clippers versus number five, Jason Gallagher's team, the Dallas Mavericks. <laughs> and let me just say this. Patrick Beverly cannot guard Luka Doncic. He too, when Luka Doncic did the he's too small thing. Yeah, that was He is absolutely right. Luka is just too big and too much of a load for, for – but I was – shocked at this fine at this final score like come on the clippers you got Kawhi and you got paul george uh, and from game to game the mavericks don't know who their number two uh, scorer is going to be but man luka Doncic is a load you know last year we all remember what happened in the bubble with the clippers and their yeah. whole thing this year was 
we are not that same Clippers team. I mean, everything about what they were doing. I, the players are even practicing now. I, I remember somebody said something like last year, the whole team only practiced together like three times, which is pretty wild. But with load management and, and you know, different things going on, I can believe it. So this year they're like, all right, we're actually going to practice. We're actually going to practice yeah. together. We're not going to be that same team. But it's scary because it's looking like that same team that in the bubble yeah. was unstable, was not solid. And what I mean by solid is Kawhi had 26 points, and that's why you can't always look at stats. Kawhi yeah. had 26 points. He was 9 for 22, 10 rebounds, 5 assists. But the impact felt in the game. Paul George, 23 points, 8 for 18, 6 rebounds, 5 assists. But it's the impact felt in the game. I felt like Kawhi and Paul George should have controlled the game. I mean, if you asked who's yeah. the best players in that game before the game, people would have mentioned their names. And they didn't play bad, don't get me wrong, but the story of the game was Luka Doncic. Two, two of the best two-way wings in the league, yeah. certainly over the last several years. And I just think those two guys need to be much more involved in trying to stop Luka from going for 31 points, 10 rebounds, and 11 assists because he just did whatever he wanted to do, got wherever he wanted to go. And that's a part of being a good player. Yeah, he people forget he is LeBron James size. Like, he is a big yeah. guy, and I think he's just he's just too big for Pat Beverly. Like, they, they got to put wings on him. But the same way we just talked about Giannis taking that on himself, that he's like, all right, yeah. look, I'm going to guard – Butler. Well, we have to see Kawhi or Paul George be like, look, I'm going to take the assignment of guarding Luka. We can alternate it, but we can't let Luka go 11 for 24, get 10 That's rebounds, crazy. 11 assists, his his third career postseason triple-double. Like, just those guys have to just decide. Like, it's not like we're asking non-defenders to just all of a sudden be defenders. These are well-known two-way players. Yep. So for me, they just have to stand up. Like, you have to just decide – you know, the, tonight is not going to happen. And when I say tonight, game two is set for Tuesday night at 730 on TNT. They have to decide, like, it ain't happening tonight. Like, that just has to be something they decide within. Next, Boston 93, Brooklyn Nets 104. I, I got to say, first of all, we expected this is yeah. we don't need to talk about this too much. This is an absolutely expected outcome. I will say as a New York Knicks fan, I found it quite humorous that as the Knicks uh, sold out Madison Square Garden, James Harden uh, starred in a social video for the Nets where he was like, hey, use promo code uh, Nets Basketball for great seats to them. But we expected this. Crazy, you know, though. Boston is, uh, is down a star. Jason Tatum uh, struggled a little bit, and the Nets just have too much firepower, right? This is yeah, I mean, probably a sweep. This is like Brooklyn looking like a top team. That's all it is moving on to the next round. Uh, but what do you think about this Portland-Denver now? Portland 123, Oof. Denver 109. Now, we talked about this. We, we talked about talk. it in the play. We, we actually talk talked about, about this it. in the play-in game scenario. But we, we said the same sentiments. No one wants to see Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum in any type of playoff postgame. It's Dame time. Like, you know how the fourth quarter is supposed to be Dame time? Well, all postseason feels like Dame time. That's just not who you want to match up with. What are your thoughts? If you're Denver, this can't happen. Like, I understand uh, Jamal Murray lost for the season with that really, really tough knee injury. But, like, Michael Porter Jr. has been... This guy has taken the leap in the absence of Jamal Murray. You still have Jokic, who was feasting offensively. 
I told you the take that Dave ruins the playoffs every single year because they beat a team that they shouldn't beat, <laughs> and then they go forward and they get stomped. But man, I was, I was, I was really surprised at this outcome. I was, yeah. I was shocked. I, I was. Shocked. I mean, I think a lot of people were, and I think a lot of people weren't. Not that they would win, but one twenty three, one oh nine. No, that's Come a whooping. On. That's like they got whooped, but. Now, when we talk about MVP talk, does that change things? I mean, should the MVP's higher ranked team take a whooping like that? I mean, that's and Uh, grant you, it's not a one man team, a one man show. But a lot of times when they talk about all star, they talk about these end of the year awards It's how well is your team doing? This is an MVP candidate in the Joker. Grant you, he played great. 34 points, 16 rebounds, one assist. That's the part to me. One assist, that's one of his strongest skill sets. We talk about his passing. The one assist is what's interesting to me. Uh, He was passing the ball... You know, here's where the Jamal Murray thing comes in. He has less targets. That said, I I wouldn't change it because it is a regular season award. Obviously, this isn't ideal. Obviously, we're overreacting to game ones. I'm overreacting to the Knicks loss. This is what we do. This is why we're here to overreact. This is what we do. We got to overreact. But listen, there is precedent for this. Uh, Dirk Nowitzki famously uh, won the MVP award and then got... Uh, stomped out in the, in the playoffs. It's a regular season award. I don't change my mind. Uh, oh wait, so you thought loss. the Joker should be the regular season MVP anyway? I think he should be the MVP. I think he's I my, think, he's my MVP. You know what? I think if we ran the tape, it's actually interesting because at the time that we asked, I picked Damian Lillard. I was like, if we had to pick mm. it today, I had picked Damian Lillard just because I mean his numbers are out of this world. Again, I don't know why he always ends up falling off the list it's like the list ever evolves and then it's like certain players just are no longer on there but I mean Damian Lillard is one of those guys that he's been killing it to that point if the Joker gets stomped out in the playoffs that's just not a good look but it doesn't matter when it comes to player of the year but what do you think about Philly and DC the Washington Wizards (sighs) Philadelphia 76ers 125 the Wizards 118 I mean Bill and Westbrook we're on a tear, you know, and hit yeah. just a really good team. What are your thoughts? So, first of all, shouts to the Washington Wizards on an amazing turnaround to the yep. season, on getting into the playoffs, on proving a lot of people wrong on this game, which was a lot closer than many people expected, including myself. Yep. I think they had a lead at halftime, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but Philly has too many weapons, they're too good. Uh, they got Embiid into foul trouble early, and that uh, played a big role. Maybe if they can continue to get Embiid into foul trouble, uh, maybe these are cl- the next three games are close, but I expect Philly to, to romp either a sweep or a five-game series. What do you think? Yeah, I think that you know Philly is a good team, and this is what I mean by if you're a good team and you want people to know it, you need to handle teams that you— you should beat the teams you're supposed to beat. They say this during the regular season. If yeah. you're a higher seed— you should beat the clubs that you should beat. And I think it's no different in the playoffs. It was a close game. Uh, I think it, it was a very winnable game for D.C. in a sense it of— It was winnable, extremely it, winnable. Extremely winnable. And I don't know, if I was the 76ers, I'd be a little alarmed by that. But what really hurt the Wizards is six turnovers from Russell Westbrook at very Brutal. key times. That's for the whole Brutal. game he had six. But Bradley Beal also had six turnovers. That's not to mention that Joel Embiid had five of his own. But when you have two of your main— guys with 12 turnovers and some of them being in crunch time. Russ Russ had that step on the line where he bobbled the ball and then that was just, ugh, that that was crushing. 
But to that point, if you're the Wizards, you watch back the tape. You start to yeah. see, wait a minute, guys, we're in we this game. We clean this up, right? We clean yeah. this up a little bit. That said, I, uh, there's a lot of things that I don't know how replicable they are. No. I, it really feels like if you're Washington, you really wasted one here. Like, you you needed this one. That was the one. Uh, that was the one. Because the Joel Embiid in foul trouble, it was the it's perfect not gonna storm. Happen again. Yeah. It's not And he still got third. And by the way, Joel Embiid was in foul trouble. <laughs> He still he's ended alone. up dropping 30 points, six rebounds, three assists. So he's just that, again, another MVP candidate that willed his team to win. But, yeah, I think that if that if if the Wizards had, like, their shot at the surprise game, was that, that was the one. Yeah. Well, it's been an incredibly fun first weekend of the playoffs, uh, except for uh, the game on Sunday, which I'll stop talking about. I just can't wait for the rest of the games this week, Renee. I can't wait to talk about them as we head to the finals. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> he's SNY's NBA insider. He's been a part of my life for a long time. As He's been covering the New York Knicks for years. He's the host of the NBA digital show, The Putback. Go check it out. Ian Begley, welcome to Take Line. It's great to see you. Great to be with you guys. And it's so fitting. We have a diehard Knicks fan and a... Hawks enthusiast on the other side. So this is you perfect. better. <laughs> uh, first question, and it's a, it's a really important one, Ian. How do we trick Alfred Payton into thinking the game is Thursday? What can we do? Can we like? Can we change his clocks? Can we change all the clocks in the in the facility? How can we get him to not show up to the arena on Wednesday? Listen, it's amazing because. You know, throughout the course of the year, I, I understood why fans wanted to see other players yeah. start at point guard. And I always thought, well, you know, they're winning, so why change it? And then last 20 games of the regular season, Peyton just seemed to get worse and worse. And, I, you know, I, I feel for him because it seems like the struggle, you know, the momentum yeah. towards struggling, it's hard to, to get out of that. And he just – he was a non-factor game one. I have to think Tom Thibodeau – at least thinks about tweaking his starting lineup going into game two. And I also have to think that Frank Nelikina maybe gets some more minutes uh, defending Trey Young earlier on in game two, uh, based on what we saw on Sunday. How big of a deal is it that the Hawks stole game one at MSG where home court advantage, as we know, is huge in the playoffs, especially for a team like ours who has won 12 mm. straight home games? Yeah, I, I wasn't that surprised by it. I mean, I just think these teams are evenly matched. I knew that the Knicks were going to have a tough time over the course of this series with Trey Young and the Hawks shooting and Clint Capella. So I wasn't that surprised by it. If they lose game two on Wednesday, that's when you're going to start to see people hitting the panic button. That's when you're going to start to see Jason uh, losing his mind a little bit. It's going to get ugly. Um, but I, I'm not surprised that they lost game one. I mean, they were right there. You know, you could yeah. say that hmm. R.J. Barrett, he tipped the pass and it went right to Bogdanovich. Bogdanovich hit the three. like Biggest play of the game. That, yeah, it um, haunts me still. Yeah, it could have just gone the other way. So I, I wasn't that stunned by it. Ian, the, the Knicks under Tom Thibodeau have really developed this kind of like defensive identity. Now, the Hawks are a very combustible offensive team. Trey Young, Bogdanovich, Danilo Gallinari was one of seven, but he's shooting uh, north of 40% from three over the course of the season. It felt like the Knicks stayed in it primarily through some really surprising offense from Alec Burks, 
who just went off in shocking fashion. Can the Knicks get back to that defensive identity against this team? I, you know, I don't think so. I don't think they're going to play that, you know, elite level defense that we saw over the course of the regular season because this Hawks team is just clicking so well offensively. And, and yeah. the Knicks, just they don't have that personnel to, to come in and, you know, send somebody on Trey Young and try to slow him down. It's going to be a group effort. And I don't think they're going to be successful, uh, you know, as often as they'd like to be because Atlanta is so talented. So I think if you're Renee, Renee, if I were you, I'd be so happy that the Knicks, you know, Derrick Rose. Oh, Ian, you have no idea. <laughs> Derrick Rose was like, had played a great game. Alec Burks was out yeah. of his mind. They even got stuff from Obi Toppin and they got from uh, that was production crazy. from Manuel quickly. And they still lost the game. So to me, like the Hawks have to be feeling pretty good based on how the game unfolded and the idea that they got the win. Well, you know, we feel great. Thank you for asking, Ian. I feel great over here. We feel great in Atlanta. But we're not naive to think that we've won the series just off a of first game. So what do you think it looks like for Julius Randle to get back on track? Because as we know, he's going to get most improved player. There's no way he doesn't get it. He's been a monster all season long. That was the first game that we've seen him look a little human. Mm -hmm. So what should we expect from a Julius Randle game two? I think he'll take the same shots. And if he doesn't take the same shots, I think that's a problem for the Knicks because just from my vantage point, the shots that he was missing on Sunday were shots that he has taken all year. And more often than not, he's made those shots. So I think you, you want to see him take the same shots if you're the Knicks. And also get rid of the ball a little bit quicker when the double team yeah. comes. There were a couple of possessions, particularly late in that third quarter, back-to-back -back possessions where he struggled against an extra defender and Lou Williams took advantage on the other end. That was really a big sequence in that game. And so Randall's been so good all year, surveying the defense, finding open teammates, especially when a team throws a second defender at him. And he wasn't the same on Sunday. So I think if he gets back to that going into game two, uh, that would be a good development for the Knicks. Finally, uh, Ian, before we ask you about the putback, some predictions in this series. What do you expect to see? It, it is going to be, I think, very close. These teams had the exact same record coming in. I think the the fact that the Knicks won three uh, games over the Hawks this season, 3-0, uh, during the regular season, a little is a little bit of fool's gold. It was a different yeah. team before Nate McMillan came in. The last game, Trey Young had the injury. What do you expect to see over the course of this series? My big prediction, actually, for game three, Jason, is I think we're going to see Renee courtside. Stay for a and I think there's something tells me Renee is going to start an F Julius Randall chain oh to get back at the Garden crowd because oh what happened on Sunday. I, that's my boldest prediction. Uh, I love this guy. <laughs> as far as the rest of the series, I mean, it's a four-five series. This is this yeah. seems like a great matchup. So I, I think that we're going to go six, maybe seven. Um, and if we don't go six or seven and the Hawks really take control of this thing, the Knicks are going to have uh, a lot of questions, you know, moving forward. Uh, and not to say that they didn't have a great season, but, you know, if things play out where Randall doesn't play his best and, you know, they're, they're exposed at the lead guard, they're going to have a lot more questions going into that offseason and, and how they're building this roster out. Uh, yeah, one more question about that. Just uh, let's say that Julius Randall, I expect him to, to bounce back. So do I. But if his game one uh, becomes the theme 
you know, uh, sports is a, is a ruthless business. Yeah. Uh, do the Knicks look at extending Randall differently after that? I, I think that maybe the numbers change, but I, I would think that the right. idea of extending him uh, remains the same. I, I think he showed you over the course of this season that I what agree. he's doing is not a fluke. So if he struggles in four, five, six games shooting the ball, that tells you something because it's the playoffs and it's a big stage. But I don't think you shift everything based on that. Maybe it just changes the amount of the contract. But I think it also maybe changes the way that you – build around Julius Randle and who you look to put alongside him, um, maybe not above him, but alongside him, maybe different players. Because if you think that you can run your offense through Julius Randle regularly, that maybe you look at a different type of point guard. But if you're not as sure yeah. about that, then it causes you to look you know, elsewhere for maybe a more, more ball-dominant point guard. So I think the Knicks can learn a lot about what they want to do moving forward based on what happens in the series. But Jason, I'm with you. I think Julius Randle, I mean, the body of work this year is too strong. I think yeah. he's going to bounce back. No, I agree. He's, like I said, the clear favorite for most improved. Now, if we could just flip that script a little bit. Okay, so the Hawks, we won game one. But <laughs> if we were, hypothetically, I would never want to see this to lose. Given all the weapons we had, what we've done in the offseason, you know, what does, and especially the incredible job that Coach Nate McMillan has done, yeah. I mean, unbelievable. What do you see, like, Atlanta's future? Yeah, I think it's bright. I mean, you look at the way that this team has played since March 1st when Nate McMillan took over, and I guess this is how Travis Schlenk and everybody envisioned it when they made the moves they made in the offseason. Obviously, they got crushed by injuries uh, earlier in the season. So I don't think it's fair to put everything on Nate McMillan coaching well and look at what Lloyd Pierce wasn't doing. I don't think that's fair. But yeah. the idea that it's Trey Young and it's great shooting and, it, and there's a rim protector in Clint Capella. I mean, it just makes sense. I think the, the questions you have to answer is what do you do with John Collins? Do you rehire Nate McMillan, which I mean, I think they should. I think it's a no brainer. Um, and and where do you yeah. fill out the back end of the rotation? But, you know, the, the big questions to me have been answered here based on how the Hawks have looked over the past few months. It's just an ideal roster around Trey Young. Just let him go, let him score, let him create. And uh, that's what we've seen from Atlanta. I'd like to see a little Ooh, less of it uh, over the course of this series. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, finally, what, what can we expect next on the putback? So we will be just doing live shows throughout the postseason. Uh, so, Jason, I think you hope that maybe we get two live shows in over the course of this series. Renee, I think you're hoping we get maybe one more <laughs> in and then we call it a night. Uh, but we'll be doing some live shows. And then uh, after the playoffs, we'll be looking at the offseason, the draft, free agency, all that fun stuff. Uh, he's SNY NBA insider for the Knicks and the Nets, Ian Begley. Thanks, man, for joining yes, Take Line. Thank you, guys. Great to be with you. On May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. What a wonderful day! This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. I stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10th. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. This episode is brought to you by AARP. 18 years from tonight. 
Grant Gill will become a comedy legend when he totally kills it at his improv class's graduation performance. Knees will be slapped. Hilarity will ensue. That's why he's already keeping himself in shape and razor sharp today with wellness tips and tools from AARP to help make sure his health lives as long as he does. Because the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org slash healthy living. It is time for Take Survivor, the game in which only the strongest take survives. Joining us today, he is a physician, an epidemiologist, and the former Detroit health commissioner. Kind of a big deal. He's also the host of the Crooked podcast, America Dissected, which comes out every Tuesday. Man, get off our corner. <laughs> he is Dr. Abdul El Said. Doctor, how are you today? I am uh, great. I, this is um, this is what the 13-year-old uh, version of me thought he would be doing, is talking about sports all day, and I've clearly failed on that mission, but um, I'm just going to say I had Tuesday first, so you all can find a different day. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he is also an Arsenal fan, so uh, pray for him as you pray for me. Also joining us today, our co-host, co-owner of the Atlanta Dream, Renee Montgomery. Renee, how are you feeling today? I know how you're feeling. Uh, it's a good day to have a good day after you get a big win in the playoffs to knock, well, to knock the New York Knicks off of their little pedestal. It feels good, baby. <laughs> well, I must, I, unfortunately, I must take that uh, because to the victor of the spoils. Also joining today, he's a producer on this podcast, Elijah Cohen. Elijah, how are you? I'm good, Jason, and it is Cohen. C-O-N-E pronounced Cohen, Cone, not Cohen. <laughs> Long time correction, Cohen. Elijah Cohn. <laughs> Elijah Cohn. Now that we got that straight. Also, a producer on this podcast, a director of All Caps NBA, Jason Galliger. Jason, how are you? That was beautifully said, Jason. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, my Mavericks beat the Clippers. They wanted us, they got us. We're here. <laughs> All right. Spicy. Just to uh, catch everybody up on the rules and some of the tweaks. We will begin each round with a prompt. Our contestants will answer. They and the increased voting pool, which is everybody that is on this Zoom, will then vote on which take should be ejected from the island. And our contestants move on. Are you ready to begin, contestants? Let's get it. Ready to go. Woo! Our first prompt. What's the most underrated Sports injury, we hear a lot about ACLs, we hear a lot about Achilles, but we don't hear about turf toe that much, we don't hear about uh, plantar fasciitis that much. Everybody, what is the most underrated sports injury? Let's start with the good doctor, Dr. Abdul. What's the most underrated sports injury? I'm going to go ahead and say the good old-fashioned concussion. It is uh, extremely common, and uh, the bad part about a concussion is that you don't always appreciate the long-term consequence. It doesn't usually pull you out of the game immediately, but you get enough of them over a long period of time and it can be devastating. And so I'd say uh, it's probably the most underrated sports injury. Mm. 
The doctor with his official medical diagnosis of the concussion. Moving on to Renee. Renee, what's the most underrated sports injury? The most underrated sports injury is dehydration. And that is because if you could catch a cramp with dehydration, but also there's a lot of thirsty players out there for buckets, so they're playing selfishly. (laughs) And so they need to be hydrated because they're causing the team a breakdown. So everybody needs to stay hydrated with H2O, Gatorade. Get that selfish out of your heart. Don't stay thirsty, my friends. Stay hydrated, my friends. Find that fresh water, says Renee Montgomery. Over to you, Elijah Cohen. Cohen. <laughs> Elijah Cohen. What is your answer? Jason, you said it, and I gotta agree. It's turf toe. It's like an extremely painful injury that's designed just to make fans be unsympathetic. It sounds yes. much... <laughs> Less bad than it is. We need to rename it to something like lightning toe, like or like hammer toe. It's extremely painful whenever you step on it, and turf toe can be rebranded to whatever J.K. Rowling has. Oh, wow. Here's my take. Take toe out of it. When you hear toe, you automatically think, oh, it's not that bad. Make it like a death foot or something like that. Jason Gallagher, what is your most underrated sports injury? Uh, I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's constipation. And here's why. Whoa! It's, okay. okay. It's, it's, both, it's both mental and physical. There's nothing worse than getting the anxiety of, oh, no, things are going wrong, and I can't really talk about it. So you try. You, it screws up your warm-ups. It screws up your mind in the game. And I'm telling you, I had constipation before a 5K once, and it ruined the whole experience, and there was no national broadcast. <laughs> I've heard it's the most common injury in curling. Wow. Too, so there's that. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my Okay. God. Jason Gallagher, uh, it's, time to, it's time to add some roughage to your diet. Let's go to the voting now. Just to remind you, uh, everybody here will be voting for the worst take in the round, and the voting pool has been expanded. It includes our producer, Zuri, our engineer, Sarah, Mia, Caroline, you will all be voting as well. Place your votes. Direct them towards Zuri in the DMs. Who will it be? Who is leaving us today? Will it be concussions? Gosh, I'll tell you, we never talk about concussions. That's a great point by the doctor. Will it be dehydration? Renee's pick of dehydration. So many other things can come from dehydration cramps. Bad Instagram photos, etc. <laughs> Elijah says it's turf toe. It's extremely painful. It stops you from running, from planting, from jumping. But toe? Or will it be Jason Gallagher's constipation? Constipation. Don't clench. And maybe you can clear that up. Votes coming in now. (laughs) We have got one vote for Elijah and Turf Toe. One vote for Jason Gallagher and constipation. One vote for Renee, dehydration. Another vote for Elijah. Two votes, Elijah. One vote for Jason. One vote for Renee. Another vote for Jason Gallagher. Two, two, Elijah, Jason Gallagher. Another vote for Jason Gallagher. It is now three votes, Jason Gallagher. And then with our final vote and our first evictee, Jason Gallagher, four votes. You are gone. What do you have to say? Uh, I was going for the injury of the everyman and uh, or woman. And, uh, you know, it's I I figured it was relatable. 
Uh, I, you're right. I should check out this concussion thing people are talking about. That is definitely underrated. Never heard we don't of it. Talk about Never it heard ever. of it, folks. Um, anyways, goodbye. God bless. Can't wait to vote you all off. Uh, Jason uh, is going to the bathroom, but we will continue with the questions. Our second prompt. Who is the best fictional doctor? Best fictional doctor. Let's start with you, Elijah. Who's the best fictional doctor? Jason, the best fictional doctor is Dr. House. He's a man who didn't have any time for bullshit. Half the show was just sketches of him (laughs) making fun of dumb patients. And the rest of the show was him just not giving a fuck, taking as many pills as he could while struggling to get through his workday. I found it extremely relatable, maybe even aspirational. Dr. House. Elijah, is it ever lupus? One time it was lupus. Let's move on. Renee, who is the best fictional doctor? Okay, so I'm going with the good doctor, and hear me out. The line is, this is a doctor who has a crazy past, a troubled past. We all watch Norman Bates in the Bates Motel, so you mean to tell me that Norman Bates goes on to be a doctor in a series and we don't know about his mysterious troubled past? Yeah, we do, buddy. Side note, way to pivot and refocus yourself. So I think he's found a way to do good considering his dark past. So the good doctor doing good. Dr. Norman Bates, he he uh, left the hotel industry and then went into yeah. medical care. What an incredible pick. Let's go to our actual doctor on the panel, Dr. Abdul. Who's the best fictional doctor? So for me, this was all about who I actually want to hang out with. And for me, it was Turk from Scrubs. Wow. Right? He, he's not the main character in the show, but uh, you know you could, you could hang out with Turk for days. And so if I'm going to be doing a residency, it's going to be with Turk and Scrubs. Wow, Turk from Scrubs, a lot of doctors to pull from from that cast. But listen, uh, certainly one of the most fun-loving doctors, played by Donald Faison. Now let's go to our voting. Who will be the next to leave the island? Will it be Dr. Abdul saying Christopher Turk from Scrubs, the best fictional doctor? Will it be Renee saying the murderer, Dr. Norman Bates, is the best fictional doctor? Or... Will it be Elijah? His pick, Dr. House in the long-running series starring the cantankerous Dr. House. Votes coming in now. What will the results be? I will remind the audience that we have expanded the voting pool. Yes. Today we have uh, Sarah, we have Mia, we have Caroline and Zuri all voting. And then, of course... Jason Gallagher, uh, assuming he's back from dropping the kids off at the pool, will also be voting in this round. And here are our results. One vote for Elijah, Dr. House. One vote for Renee. One, one. One vote again for Renee. It's two, one. One vote for Elijah. It is two, two. And our final vote for our next evictee from the island comes in for Renee Montgomery. And her pick, the murderous Dr. Norman Bates, has left the island. Renee, what do you have to say? I was really considering going with Dr. McStuffins, and now I know that (laughs) I 100% should have went fictional, had a black doctor, and killed it. You guys, this is the first time not making it. May the odds be ever in your favor. Wow. Always with the class, except when her team is winning against my team. Let's go! (laughs) (laughs) Let's go to the finals. 
It is Dr. Abdul versus Elijah. And our final question, best personality, real person with doctor as a nickname. Best real person with the nickname doctor. Who will it be? Let's go to the real doctor. Doctor, who's the best real doctor, non-doctor nicknamed doctor? So I've got a three-year-old and uh, we spent a lot of time with this doctor. It's Dr. Seuss. Ah. Teaching the kids all the lessons. Never actually finished a PhD, but uh, has, has taught a lot of people a lot of things. It is the author, Dr. Seuss. Wow. Plus, the, the Republicans tried to cancel him a while back. So, you know, you got you to be I love that in, in as Seuss well. Camp. Illustrator, author, Dr. Seuss. Incredible pick. Yeah. Elijah, who's the best personality with doctor in their nickname? Uh, Jason, I'm going to have to go with Dr. Phil. Uh, he's not actually a doctor, is he? I also oh, misinterpreted this question, but it's, I'm going to say that Dr. Phil at this point is more of a cultural symbol, more of a sex symbol at this point. A man who's out there ah. doing it every day. People <laughs> like him. They like his voice. They like his beautiful mustache. He's out there making the points that other people are afraid to make, asking the questions other people are afraid to question. He's a doctor for our souls. Dr. Phil, thank you. I'm just going to put this out there. If people vote for Dr. Phil over Dr. Seuss, right? The man just asked the basic question everybody else should have asked. This is why uh, people think this contest is rigged, but let's move on. I would, I, I'll Dr. remind everybody canceled, the I voting- I want to point out, kind of a prob- problematic answer. By all the Dr. Cut Phil's out mic. there. Cut his mic. <laughs> Cut his mic. I will remind the voting pool that we are voting for the winner now. And let's go to the voting. Will it be Elijah with- his pick of Dr. Phil. You ever, uh, you ever, you, you sound like a cow in an outhouse trying to find a can of worms. That's like something that Dr. <laughs> Phil might say. <laughs> or will it be our actual doctor, Dr. Abdul El Sayed, who says it is Dr. Seuss who is the best personality with doctor in the nickname. Uh, wrote many a classic book, some of them a little problematic, but well, you know, we figured that out, hopefully, by uh, just not offering those problematic books to our uh, impressionable young generation uh, going forward. Votes coming in now. You ever vote? You ever vote with your thumb up your butt, Elijah? Only when I'm constipated, Jason. That's what I would say as, as Dr. Phil. And now the vote's coming in for the winner. We have one vote for Elijah to win. One vote for Dr. Abdul to win. Another vote for Dr. Abdul to win. 2-1, Dr. Abdul, one vote for Elijah. Another, it's tied up. Elijah, two. Dr. Abdul, two. Another vote for Elijah, it is three to three. And another vote for Dr. Abdul is three to three? Wow. Final vote coming in now for our winner, Elijah Code. Oh. You have one tick, Survivor. <laughs> with the pick of Dr. Phil as the best personality with Doctor and then nicknamed. He didn't even truly understand the category, and yet he wins. Elijah to the victor of the spoils. What do you have to say? <laughs> You're kicking and flopping like a fish. She's on me like a duck on a June bug. I think I'd be madder than a, a wet hen myself. I just want to thank the YouTube commenters who believed in me while the game was rigged. 
This is for you guys. Subscribe to Take Line on YouTube. Wow. Oh my God. Dr. Abdul, thank you for joining us. Uh, we Incredible. And I'm sorry that this happened, but uh, tell us, uh, please uh, promote uh, America Dissected. Absolutely. So two things. Number one, Dr. Phil actually had a PhD in psychology. So I'm just going to put that out there. Two, America Dissected is a fantastic podcast when you want to hear an actual doctor talk about actual doctor things. But um, in an interesting way, uh, we're, we're dissecting all of the most important uh, stories where uh, health and, 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 and society meet. I hope that you'll uh, check us out just after you listen to Take Line on Tuesdays. Uh, go ahead and download America Dissected and check it out. This week, we will have uh, a, uh, a discussion about how to build an anti-racist healthcare system uh, with the one and only Professor uh, Ibram X. Kendi. I hope you'll check it out. One more question, and it's just as important as that. As a doctor, please, how do we fix Arsenal? Oh, goodness. Um, look, I, I think I think we've got some promising young players. I do think we've got to think a little bit about the culture of the team. It seems like, uh, you know, under uh, Mikel Arteta, there just hasn't been a very clear sense of direction about where the club is going. I hope that they figure that out. The other point is um, the fact that Arsenal even thought about joining the Super League is itself uh, a real problem. And I, I thought about, you know, switching teams, to be honest. But, uh, you know, once you once you once you join a team, you got to you got to keep with them for life. So uh, I'm stuck. Well, uh, Doctor, thank you for joining us, and thank you for listening. Is this the dagger? It's time for buzzer beaters, where we talk the stories that we didn't cover in the show because of time. Jason, I'm going to let you handle this. Okay, so we both picked Julio Jones calling into (laughs) Undisputed with Shannon Sharp and uh, Lizardman Skip Bayless. So... This happened this morning. We're taping this on a Monday during the live broadcast of Undisputed. Shannon Sharp appeared to call Atlanta Falcons receiver Julio Jones and ask Jones about the current trade rumors that are swirling around while on speakerphone during this time. Shannon has Julio on. Yikes. And uh, he never mentions that they are on live TV. This caused a lot of conversation about speakerphone etiquette, uh, back and forth. That said, Man, I, there are actually like lawyer legal implications, as you well know, on whenever someone <laughs> comes on a, a program, there needs to be releases. They need to be informed. There's also But do the you think calls. he knew? Because don't you think he knew? You think he knew? I think he had to know. I think that there's no world in which he didn't know. That said, I think that there is there's a yeah. universe in which Shannon texts Julio and then assumes that Julio would think, okay, what else would I be texting him for? You know what I mean? Like, and then when he makes the call and Skip is in the background saying, hello, that maybe it went through Shannon's mind that, oh, of course Julio thinks that we're on uh, Undisputed right now. But did he actually, was he actually aware that they were rolling? Man, I don't, what do you think? I think Julio Jones had no idea. Only reason I say that is like, who does a rollout like that? We've That's seen JJ Watt. He made a whole production out of, hey, I'm leaving. I want to tell the fans why. Right. He showed the fans where he was going next. Players use that as an opportunity to promote market. I just feel like if that was where he was going to announce to the world that he was no longer going to be a Falcon. Now, this is coming off of seeing him 
in a Dallas Cowboys hoodie yeah. just randomly. Somebody put, you know, like this is coming off of allegations, but he hadn't addressed them yet. I don't <laughs> think he, I listen, call me naive. I really thought he was talking to his homie. And then he realized, wait, am I on TV? Right. And they could, and he could have thought, oh, they're on a break and they're, and maybe they just want to yep. know what's going on. Now, Whitney McIntosh in my, on my Twitter mention says that you can hear uh, Taft, she thinks, in the background saying, quote, can you remind him we're on television right now? Uh, so now Jason, it really feels like they were sweating. So that me, leads me to believe now oh, Jason, they, were, they were sweating. Why it. would a producer, we got producers on this show, yeah. and we do a lot of different interviews. That none of them are hopping in the middle of the interview and like, Jason, make sure you know they know that we're recording this. That's just not a normal behavior. If everything was already cleared beforehand. That's all I'm going to say because that's crazy. So let, let me ask you this, right? Number one, Fox Sports Legal is absolutely going, don't do this again. Please don't do this. Again. Because if Julio, if that is the case and Julio Jones didn't know, yeah. there's a world in which Julio Jones is like, I'm suing Fox Sports 1 because they uh, they not only taped me without my consent, but then they <laughs> aired it on live TV. That what a nightmare. Happen. That won't happen. But if that is the case... You know how this works. What I would expect to happen is Julio's <laughs> reps get at Fox Sports and say, you owe us. You Big owe time. us. Big time. Like, whenever this. we come back for that favor, it's a yes. Like, it's one of those it's type a things. yes, because you owe us. Also, let me put this on your brain. Like, I'm in the, the media journalism world. So, I've, yeah. like, to Julio's defense, I've had people call me and be like, hey, just for context— this is off the record or just right. one of those calls where it right. makes it seem like we just want to know where your head is at. Can you give us context? Now, if Julio Jones thought it was one of those calls, just so people understand, like every time someone calls you from the media doesn't mean that you're going to be live on air. I've been called from plenty of my media friends, yeah. Lachina Robinson, all of them. They just want to know what you're thinking so that when they talk about you on air, they know so just so people understand, this is not a wild thing that could have happened. He could have just thought that Shannon Sharp was calling him to see where his head was at because they're discussing it. And he thought he was giving him a nugget like, oh, I'm out of here, Unc. Like, I'm gone. It's a nightmare. <laughs> now, I'm listen scared. here. Listen here. If that is the case <laughs> and you see Julio Jones's second cousin co-hosting <laughs> Undisputed with Shannon Sharp, don't... Don't question why, because you know oh, why. That it's going to be called Second Take with Julio, baby. <laughs> That's it for us this week. Follow and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to subscribe to Take Line Show on YouTube for exclusive video clips from this episode, plus my digital series, All Caps NBA, which airs every Friday. Check it out. Like and subscribe. Five-star ratings. We will accept nothing else. See you next week. Oh, let me survive the this week. Let's go! <laughs> Take Line is a Crooked Media production. The show is produced by Carlton Gillespie and Zuri Irvin. Our executive producers are myself and Sandy Gerard. Our contributing producers are Caroline Reston, Elijah Cohn, and Jason Gallagher. Engineering, editing, and sound design by Sarah Gibble-Laska and the folks at Chapter 4. And our theme music is produced by Brian Vasquez. 